Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Six seconds to go. Comes in to Tucker. Ewing sets a screen. The shot is off. Loose ball. Ewing goes up. The basket comes. Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of Strick and Roll. I'm your host, Shwini Poo, and this is episode 53. I'm joined by uh, someone who you're very familiar with. Uh, he is the co-founder of Hot Hand Theory. He's also uh, a frequent fixture on the Down. His name is Jeffrey Rasmussen. That is at Frank Barrett 119 on Twitter. Jeff, how are you doing uh, on this rather gloomy Wednesday morning riot? Yeah, the weather's not great here either. Um, I'm doing I'm doing awesome though. You know, uh, Knicks won last night. That's always good. Excited to talk about all sorts of things NBA and appreciate the the shout out as always to High End Theory. Uh, yeah, no, 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 not a problem there. Uh, the Knicks did win yesterday, uh, and uh, they are now they've they've created a little little separation here uh, from the Heat, who are two and a half games back, and the Pacers, who are three. Three games back now, wow. Uh, and three in the loss column, so that's an actual three games. That's not like a, a math three games. Um, also four games ahead of the Magic, which is good because the Magic right now have a 2-0 season series lead over them. Uh, but before we get started, I do have to make a few announcements. First, being the Strickland has Instagram. Check that out. That is at the Strickland line is Instagram. Plus, all kinds of new content on there. Strickland also has a YouTube channel where you may be watching this podcast. If you are, you've not done so already, please hit like, subscribe to the podcast, leave us a comment. That'd be a huge help to us. The Strickland also has merchandise which you can find on our website. That is at www.thestrick.land. There's a link that'll take you there to the merchandise store, and you can find all kinds of cool stuff for there. T-shirts, sweatshirts, hats, coffee mugs, water bottles, you name it, we've got it. And finally, the Strickland has a Patreon, which you can subscribe to. There are a number of different tiers. There's a $6 tier that gets you access to. Pod Strickland, the podcast that hosts every Friday Press. You also get access to Takes from Obvious Bozos, our newest podcast that is hosted by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, along with Zach Bladder. You also get access to the Strickland Discord, where the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There's a $9 tier that gets you access to Strickland Roll, my solo pod, or I rant and rave about the next even more. You also get wonderful or access to wonderful premium articles by Matthew Murdo, one of the best in the business. And now you also get access to Strictly NFL, our, you guessed it, NFL podcast that is hosted by Constantine Metricos and Jeffrey Rasmussen. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. Those come with a variety of additional benefits, because listening on, like listening in on pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially goes to the podcast alongside your truly own day, whether you choose to subscribe to Notice to Be Possible without you, and Notice to Be Possible without BetOnline. With the NFL playoffs right around the corner and the NBA season in full swing, BetOnline has you covered with all the up-to-the-second odds, news, and scores with additional odds, lines, trends, and info on both desktop and mobile. You can access the world's best wagering information anytime. Head there today to get into the action and see all the updated odds. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts. Um, so I did want to have you on today uh, to talk about uh, – well, look, the, the trade deadline is approaching. I believe the trade deadline is – is it February 8th? I believe it's February 8th. Let me just confirm that. Uh, I yeah, Trade deadline NBA 2024 is February 8th. Uh, I 
it's probably like 3 p.m. or 5 p.m. or some fucking time like that. I'm sure we'll be doing a stream for that also. Uh, but um, there have uh, surprisingly actually been three fairly significant trades that have gone down already. The Knicks being involved in the first one uh, in acquiring OG Ananobi uh, for Emmanuel Quickly, RJ Barrett, and a Detroit second round pick. They also got Precious Achua, who I guess you can play him against teams that have no physical presence. So that's a good thing that they're discovering uh, because he's been really good the last two games. Um, so they got Precious Chua and they got Malachi Flynn, who actually like actually has zero value and just sucks at basketball. Um, but uh, they did that. The Pacers traded for Pascal Siakam. They gave up Bruce Brown, uh, three first round picks, two in this upcoming year, upcoming year's draft and in 2026 as well. Uh, and yesterday, the Miami Heat traded uh, for Terry Rozier. They traded Kyle Lowry's expiring contract and a 2027 lottery protected pick that is also that becomes unprotected in 2028 if it doesn't convey. Um, I, I, from everything I know, or at least what I've read, this also effectively takes them out of any potential star trade for the foreseeable future. Um, it's just they don't have the they don't have the picks, they don't have the assets. So unless somebody just falls in love with Tyler Hero. Uh, they're shit out of luck. So that sucks for them. Uh, but this is three separate teams now in the East, uh, kind of in the similar, in, in the same tier. We're talking about just to go through the standings here. The Cavs are at 26 and 15. Knicks are at 27 and 17. Heat are 24 and 19. Pacers are 24 and 20. Magic 23 and 21. Bulls, they're, you know, they're scratching, clawing their way up. They're up to uh, 21 and 24 now. Uh, the most uninspiring pointless 21 and 24 season possible um but i guess you know look it, this is not unique to the eastern conference uh i do think there are a lot of teams it's a weird league uh there's only like of the teams that are actually fine with losing and totally okay with losing i think there's like the hornets the wizards the spurs and the blazers i guess the grizzlies now maybe so it's like five teams uh everybody else is wants to win and funny enough the worst team in the nba actually wants to win the pistons want to win um so like these teams are actually invested in trying to win games makes buying a little harder makes it definitely trickier um but there are a number of teams that i think are in positions where they need to make moves and um i'm curious like you know are there any teams that stand out to you as like this team has to make something happen here because there are a couple that come to mind for me i mean like Obviously, we can say the Knicks, um, but I, I guess the way I would put it is like if the Knicks didn't make a move before this deadline, it would be. I would think it was stupid, but I don't, I don't think it destroys their season. I don't really think it changes too much for them in the long term. Like, I don't think it's, oh, well, if they don't do this, then this fundamentally changes everything about for them moving forward. Um, and look, a lot of in-season moves don't necessarily have ramifications to that effect. But I do think there are teams where they have not made moves, uh, maybe not, maybe not even anything significant in the offseason. And, you know, um, things are getting stale. Maybe they're not as good as they thought. So I'm just curious, like, well, you know, are there any teams that stand out to you as like, okay, yeah, no, this team right here, they've got to fucking do something right now. So before we dive into the rest of the league, I just wanted to say about the Knicks, I – I kind of disagree with you about whether if the Knicks make a move or not, it changes their season. I, I think their season, their 2023, 2024 
hugely depends on getting another ball handler. Well, okay. Here, do you think that if they got like, let's say Brogdon, because that's just like the one that's out there, you think if they got Brogdon for forty and a pick, so basically a lighter version of this Kyle Lowry, this Rozier trade, um, do you think that makes them a contender? It's close, closer. I, I do think it could be the difference. Like right now, there are two teams. I know this is very arbitrary, but right now there are two teams in the Eastern Conference who only have two players with usages over 20%. That's the Knicks and the 76ers. The Sixers have Maxi and Embiid, and they have Embiid on a usage that is much higher than his usage is almost 40%. Yeah, I'm so very happy the Knicks are not doing that with anybody. To be yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, his usage is almost ten percent higher than Brunson or Randall. So like, okay, the 76ers aren't exactly the best comparison. They have Brunson and Randall both with twenty eight percent usages, and then nobody else really doing anything. I just don't think that that's a sustainable strategy for winning at the highest level. And I think once they made the quickly an RJ four OG trade, they locked themselves into this path. I agree with your sentiment that, okay, now they're sort of locked into, well, it's about the star they get. But this season has to mean more than just we're waiting for a star now. Like, it was okay. The the we're waiting for a star path or trajectory was it, – it was patience was more justified when there was another potential path on the line. But there there isn't anything else now. It's just this is it. This is Brunson and Randall's team. They've got OG, they've got, you know, their centers, they've got Tibbs, they've got Josh Hart. There aren't too many other teams that are more known products than the Knicks are right now. And so when you have something like that, when you have the team that you want, where you feel like you're one piece away, you do have to look like you're one piece away. (laughs) Like, yeah. so I, I, I do think it's on the Knicks to justify the avenue they've taken, like everybody's talking about a rematch with Cleveland. Can you imagine how bad it would look if they lost to Cleveland and went around one? I mean, I guess where I go with that is like, I think that looks bad, but I think I always feel like that looks worse to like us or the media or whoever. than like, if I'm an actual player in the league, I probably look at that. And like, let's say like the difference in that series is the fact that the Knicks don't have, they don't do anything at the deadline. And the difference is like the eight minutes a game that uh, Tom Thibodeau decides that Deuce McBride is allowed to play in place of Jalen Brunson. Like, honestly, like if that is the difference in the series, I feel like there'll be plenty of guys that look at that and are like, okay, that's fine. Like I'm, I'm the difference. I'm the difference. Oh, sorry. Just to, just to cut you off for a second. I didn't mean to other players. I just meant like in optically, optically. Yeah. Just from judging the front office. They were like, they were like, okay, we're we don't think quickly and RJ are it. We don't want to watch them develop. We want results now. You know, like OG is the results now guy. And if the results get worse, they're just so locked into this. We need a superstar path. And sure, if they get their guy, everything's great. And like nobody can question it. But I don't think there's any guarantee that they do get their guy. So to me, like they really need to, in the meantime, show that they're continuing to move forward. That isn't always linear. I We've talked about this before. They could lose in round one, and it's like, okay, that's that's fine. But I do think there has to be some level of expectations for this team. And I think that they need to, like, 
the, these minutes are really bad. I mean, I, we, I, I know we didn't want to talk too much about last night's game, but something is missing. And I don't know if it's because they, they're not staggering well enough. I don't know if we just need to let Deuce keep, like we need to give Deuce more control. Like he's kind of being passive. I don't know what it is, but last night to me highlighted like, holy shit, they, they can't score at all when Jalen Brunson's not on the court. Yeah, I mean, their scoring basically boils down to if they can make threes, um, and that's it. There's no pivot. Like, it's not like, yeah, it just, they don't have anything else. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, so I agree with that. I was more getting along the lines of, like, I don't, I guess I don't, I know I've, like, made some, like, facetious tweets, and I I do think there's a world where it's like, yeah, you do get Brogdon, and, like, maybe there's a couple injuries in the East, and all of a sudden, yeah, I think it's possible you could be in the finals. Like, not out of the realm of of possibility like we know Christoph Porzingis is not the healthiest human being in the world right like like we know you know their injuries happen every year to every team like you know a team like Milwaukee is old uh Joel Embiid always has some bizarre injury that crops up at the wrong time Christoph Porzingis gets hurt Drew Holiday is no spring chicken all of a sudden holy shit like wow it's between us and miami and like like we can do it like you never know like i i I get that i'm just saying more along i was just thinking more along the lines of like in in like i don't know what is it like 90 percent of the worlds that exist i feel like the knicks probably are not a contender this year no matter what in-season move they make and in that sense i don't like i think the og trade was their big move in terms of like yes changing kind of what you were this season and you know you've got to you've got to admit sometimes when you're wrong uh i think i was wrong i i definitely under i just vastly underestimated the impact that og would have on that starting lineup um to the degree that like yes some of this is just well tibbs is playing his best guys a lot of minutes and like is that sustainable probably not but like if you when like i think we've i've seen enough from that group where i'm like okay no this was us this if this is if you're this committed to jalen brunson very specifically forget randall if you're even just this committed to jalen brunson this move made a ton of sense for them um and like i can't question at least the um i i can't question anymore like were they right in that assessment based on the underlying like commitment to Jalen Brunson. They're not like that. This is a, a great move and they deserve all the credit for it. And so do people that were asking for this stuff. Um, so anybody that was in favor of the trade in real time prior to the trade, whatever, good job on you. Um, and I mean that sincerely. To me, it's like the Knicks have made a move that is significant and yes, it necessitates further changes, but I look around the league and I see teams that I'm like, man, this team is just hanging out and I don't really know what they're doing. And they're not, they, they feel a little stagnant. And I try not to be overly critical of that because I think it's easier to just keep saying like, they need to make a move. They need to make a move. They need to make a move. They need to make a move without actually knowing what's out there. That's viable. That's reasonable that they could do. Um, but I'll, I mean, look, I'll just start because the team that I just keep coming back to um and I, I was, I didn't love their offseason in real time. Uh, I, I feel like they're doing okay this year, but the underlying numbers show a team that has regressed since last season. Uh, and that is the Sacramento Kings, um, a team that is uh, weirdly near and dear to my heart. Uh, but like, 
they're 24 and 18, so they're not terrible. They're, they're not an awful team or anything. They're they're pretty much on pace to win as much as they did last year. I think they were 48 and 34 last year, so they're in the ballpark. Um, and this year, though, um, they have an expected win loss of 22 and 20, so they're running a little hot. Their offensive rating last year they were the number they were the greatest offense they had the highest offensive rating in NBA history last year. This year they've come down to a rather pedestrian uh, one seventeen offensive rating, which is good for fourteenth in the NBA. Their defensive rating has improved to one sixteen point four, which is good for seventeenth in the NBA. They have a net rating of zero plus or plus zero point six. Um, I watch this team quite a bit just because you know like they they get the West Coast games right, so you like you get done with the Knicks all of a sudden. You just toss it on. You're like, hey, well, let's see what's going on with the West Coast next. Um, and, I mean, you look at this team. I mean, you talked about usage rates before. Uh, if you go by usage on this team, <laughs> forgetting it, <laughs> I'm not going to count. We're not counting uh, JaVale McGee in the in the usage chart here because he's only played 269 minutes. But De'Aaron Fox at 31.5 usage. They've got Malik Monk at 24 and a half, which is just like, and he's playing, a, he's playing a shit ton of minutes. Like he's averaging so far this year. Malik Monk is averaging 26 minutes a game, which is, I mean, I would guess that that's a career high for him. Uh, and then Sabonis is at 22 and a half. Keegan's at 19.1, but it's like that those three guys are basically the team offensively. And I think Sabonis's usage doesn't even do him justice for what he's being tasked with offensively. Because he's also like at a 33 and a half, he has a 33 and a half assist percentage. Um, like he he's he's got the ball a lot and he's he's creating a lot. So those three guys have done a lot. And then the rest of the team is just like, you know, Keegan is the one other guy that you can be like consistently gives you something. Aside from that, you're playing like Russian roulette every night with this fucking team. Uh like Herder, that guy was MIA for like two months. He was just fucking out like his minutes were reduced. He was just, he was coming off the bench. Like now he's starting again. Uh, they got Vizenkov. They, this is a fucking European guy. They signed over the off season. Um, he started off. Okay. He was out of the rotation. Now I think he's back in it. And then like Davion Mitchell, he's not in the rotation. He's basically a DNPCD every night. Chris Duarte, basically not in the rotation. Harrison Barnes is he's played Harrison Barnes. 31-year-old Harrison Barnes in the year of our Lord, 2024. This guy has played 1,222 minutes so far this season in 42 games. Uh, and it's he is the funniest player to ever look at at basketball reference because he's got a 62 and a half through shooting. Uh, he doesn't rebound at all. But generally, you'd be like, oh, okay, this guy seems on the surface to be fine. And yet, if you just search Harrison Barnes on Twitter, all you'll see is Kings fans like begging and pleading uh, for him to either be benched or to be traded with something for something else. I just think this team doesn't have anything on the wing. I think they need more create. They need something else offensively uh, because, you know, maybe last year they ran real hot uh, with a, a variety of things, maybe three point shooting, whatever it was. Uh, I think Fox's efficiency has dropped a bit this year. He's at 57.4 for shooting. Fox's last month has been brutal. Uh, I have him in fantasy. He's just been fucking not even close to what he was to start the year. Um, but, like, I just – again, I just watch this team a lot, and I'm like, they've got – they just don't have the same juice they had last year. And 
I talked about this a couple of weeks ago when I think they were like, they might've been like 23 and 16. And I remember we were talking about the discord and I was just like, look, man, I, I like this. I, I like the Kings. I like Fox. I like Sabonis, whatever. I like Mike Brown. I think he's a good coach, but this team is like playing way above their heads. They're going to come crashing down. Like this is, they had like some terrible loss. Like they got their ass kicked. And I think people were talking about it. I was like, I don't think this is that crazy. Like, I think they're about to like hit a, hit a, hit a snag in the road here. Uh, they blew that. What was it? A 20 point lead what was it 22 to the Suns in like the last nine minutes of the game. The oh, yeah. That was a brutal, it's like probably the most brutal loss of the season aside from the Nets one, uh, the Nets, and the Clippers one, which is fucking bananas. Yeah. But yeah, sorry. I didn't want to go, but I just think this team like really needs to move. And honestly, the, the I, he's not perfect. I don't know that this guarantees you anything. I would like to see them trade for Kyle Kuzma. I think Kuzma would be a really good fit here in terms of how they play. I like the pace that they play with. I like that Mike Brown is the type of coach who's weird and will be like, okay, well, I have Kuzma. He doesn't need to play the four. He can play the four. He can play the five for me. He can play the three for me. Like, I think they would lean into his versatility. Um, and I don't know. He's like weird because I know he doesn't shoot a great percentage, but I do think Kuzma is a guy that actually has some gravity out behind the arc. I don't think teams just for like, sure. teams don't just leave him out there. They close out to him. I like, I'd like that. And I'd just like to see them get somebody else who can create because I I feel like because of the lack of creation elsewhere, that is why Monk is playing so much and he's being leaned on so heavily in crunch time. His usage rates like skyrocket even higher. It just basically becomes him and the De'Aaron Fox show. Um, it's, it's, it's bananas. They really need something else. So I, I don't know. Kuzma for them would be interesting, but I'm curious to get your thoughts. Um. I'm glad you pointed out the monk thing because that's been my first observation watching Kings games is I just keep being surprised by how, like, I'm like, is this his team or is this De'Aaron Fox's team? You know, like so it really, <laughs> it really, really feels like, like, especially in crunch time that they're going to him a lot. And it's like, I don't know. They're, they're definitely leaning on him quite a bit and maybe Fox is, you know, going through something, you never know. Um, but I agree with you. I love, I love the Kuzma call. Like, I feel like that answers a number of questions. I do want to say about Keegan Murray, Keegan Murray is a nice um, example of how just blindly looking at something like true shooting percentage can be misleading because he started the season really bad from three, mm -hmm. which is fine. But if you look at, he his, couldn't make a three for like the first month and a half was just fucking ridiculous. Yeah, there was there was this really wow. weird game. There was this really weird game they played against the Thunder, where it's it, it was a it was like a play-in game, not uh not knockout stage, a group stage game. Because I remember it was on one of those funky courts, and Keegan started off like O for a lot, and it really felt like the Kings were like like Mike Brown yelled at him like, dude, just keep shooting, I don't give a shit, and it really felt like the Kings were like shining a light on him like dude we're gonna keep giving you the ball and you just have to keep shooting and it was just it was just a really strange game it was like they were they, they cared more about getting him into rhythm that night than winning the game but i digress um but if you look at keegan's overall um scoring impact and like just his scoring from different locations his true shooting is down from 60.1 last year to 58 this year but he's actually scoring way better in every area other than three-point shooting. His field goal percentage at the rim is up from 58 to 66%. That's elite. His scoring um, in the mid-range is up from 41% last year to 48%. And his three-point shooting 
is down from 41% to 37%. So, like, that is all of his true shooting right there. Like, he's shooting um, more at the rim. He's shooting more, way more in the mid-range, and he's shooting the same amount of threes. So, like, it makes sense that his true shooting was going down. But if I was a Kings fan, I would actually be encouraged by his growth as a scorer. It's sort of the opposite of what's happened to our friend Emmanuel Quickly in Toronto, where, like, he's been bad everywhere except for three-point shooting, and that's just keeping him afloat. Like, if I was a Raptors fan, I would be like, wait a second. Like, he's not giving us anything except for three-point shooting. We need him to be more of a three-level scorer. Well, the Kings can say to themselves— I would like if he would stop trying to be Steve Nash. That would be nice. Yeah, it's I it, to me it's more he's trying to be like Jalen Brunson. Like I, I I'm I've been really encouraged by his passing. Um the amount of times he's like passed up a three to like try to create a 15 footer that he has no business taking is way more frustrating to me. Like I, he just seems like he's trying to figure it out and he's a little lost right now. I don't think there's any concern yeah. about quickly. I was just yeah, using no, him as an, ex- yeah, yeah, no, as an example. Yeah, yeah, no. And I also think his defense is far more of a concern. Like he's really, really struggling with going from a system where Tibbs leaned on his strengths and used him off ball more uh, most of the time. And, you know, they had their their uh, help and recover defense to the Raptors where they play small and they switch everything. And that ends up with quickly and a lot of bad matchups. So that's. I mean, obviously, they really just have no idea what they're doing on defense. That was like when I rewatched the Knicks Raptors game, I was just like, Okay, so they collectively are just fucking idiots. Like, they don't, you can see like Quick and RJ are doing like Knicks defense, and then like everybody else is doing something else. So it's third. Yeah. I, I yeah, also have a theory that Darko sucks at coaching, but we'll see about that. Uh, yeah, I, I can't. <clears throat> it's tough to comment. I don't, I don't, I can't say I watch a ton of Raptors. I've said goodbye to my friends, and, you know, that's the. <laughs> It's on to greater pastures. Um, I to bring it back to Keegan Murray, I, I do think he's a more well-rounded player. I feel very strongly that this team is pretty much four players right now: um, yeah. Fox and Monk and Murray and uh, Sabonis, obviously. And you know, we know that Herder is capable of more. And like you said, you know, you you do a, a sort of squint at Harrison Barnes and. He's he's got to still be an NBA player, but it does feel like they're missing something. And you'd like to see someone who can alleviate some of the initiation burden from Sabonis and Fox just a little bit, because you do feel like the engine is Sabonis, like Sabonis is kind of the universe there in Sacramento. So you don't want to take too much away from him. You don't want to turn him into like, oh, you're going to stand in the dunker spot and do some post ups like, no, you want him to have his dribble handoffs. But the good thing about Kuzma is he actually has experience with that stuff, like working off of good players, uh, working two-man action as the ball handler cutting. Like, Kuzma can do both, and then, yeah, he can shoot some. And especially in a lineup where Sabonis is playing at the top of the key, and you have Monk, you have Fox, you have Keegan Murray, you have Herter, even you have Barnes, like, Kuzma's shooting isn't going to hurt your spacing. So... I mean, the Wizards are going, or should be, God, you can never say anything with certainty about the Wizards, but they should be looking to sell. And, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I could think of a better match than uh, Kuzma to the Kings. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's 
it can be a little bit tricky, but I mean, you could do Kuzma for Barnes, Davion Mitchell, who, I mean, look, I, I know that if you look at the guys that were drafted around him in that, in that area, um, it wasn't necessarily awesome, but like that was, that, that feels like a really big miss for them um, given the trajectory they're on. Uh, but yeah, Davion Mitchell, you dump him in there. That's enough money. I think you're going to have to give up like two first in this trade. Uh, so maybe you give up the, they have a 2020, they can't trade anything until 2026 probably because they owe a lottery protected first uh, this season to the Hawks. So that'll convey this year. I think it might extinguish like that. I think that just is done after this year either way. So uh, they can do 2026 and then maybe a 2028, maybe you can lottery protect that. Um, but like, I, I do think there's a deal to be made there. It's up to them if they, pull the trigger or not but like this team just needs something they need some shot creation and and their wing rotation is just brutal like you said outside of keegan i mean i i still think herder i bet on him to like recover and and bounce back and he has shot the ball better lately so like that's a good sign for them um but like the rest of that out there is just bad and and kuzman doesn't just give you something on the wing he also gives you something at the four and maybe even at the five and like I, I think there's just value to that. I mean, we saw them at times in that King or in that Warriors series last year go with Lyles at the five. So, like, if they're willing to play Lyles at the five, they're probably willing to try Kuzma at the five at times. And um, I just think it gives you options. And I, I do like the idea of like him at the four next to Sabonis at the five at various points. I like that you can play big with Keegan at the three, Kuzma four, Sabonis five. I think that gives Sabonis some protection. Um, I know Kuzma's not been a good defender. I also feel like some of that has to do with the environment that he's been in, uh, in Washington. Um, do I think he's like a game changing defender or something? No, but I think he can be an average guy and he didn't, average, kill, he didn't kill LA in the bubble right. season at all. Yeah. Um, so an average defender who can give you some juice on offense and is locked in on a pretty reasonable contract for the next three years, basically takes him through his prime. Um, three years after this, by the way, I, I just think this is like a, a trade they have to make. This is a guy that I don't know. I, I I guess I shouldn't say have to make because a guy like Harris or Kyle Kuzma is not necessarily the guy. Like, he should not be described as somebody you got to have Kyle Kuzma. Um, but like for them, I I don't really know what their path is um, aside from this. And like I I said I thought this in the, at the time in the summer. I said it at the time in the summer. I felt like this was a team where when you saw what Christoph Porzingis went for, it's like, well, why not go for him? Like, I get that him and Sabonis defensively maybe is a little bit tricky to work with because Sabonis guarding fours is like, what the fuck? Um, but who gives a fuck? Like, you're, like, the offensive fit there would have been crazy good. It's about – it is it is the best – He him, like Miles Turner, those type of guys, are like the closest thing you can ever get to putting somebody next to Sabonis – offensively that spaces the floor and can potentially cover for him defensively. I mean, I know the miles Turner one is funny because they did play together and it was never particularly great. Um, I do think some of the guard play and the situation around them was a bigger factor than just those two, but like, I, yeah, I, they didn't do anything in the summer again. I don't necessarily think that was a terrible choice. It was a lot like the Knicks where it's like, okay, well really easy to keep saying they should have done something, but what the fuck was there to do? Uh, and you know, they, they apparently made overtures to acquire Pascal Siakam. I don't think he 
gave them uh, warm fuzzies about whether he would extend there after the season. Um, and then I believe they had also made an offer last year over the summer for OG Ananobi, which we know obviously wasn't taken. So, like, I don't think they've been not active. I just don't know that they have the juice to get those guys. So getting a dude like Kuzma or somebody a little bit lower in terms of the totem pole of NBA value makes sense for me.